So Lord, we thank you for this morning, God. I thank you for the power of Julie's testimony. I thank you, Jesus, that you are still in the business of miracles and healing. God, I thank you for her healing. I thank you so much that she was had the courage to share that with us. And God, the verse that is on my heart right now is 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, God, we just ask for your freedom in this place, for whatever people are carrying. God, we want to hear from you this morning. We are desperate for an encounter with Jesus, with the living God. We don't want another sermon or a song. We want to experience you, Jesus. So we set aside this time, this moment, this word to hear from you, to be with you. God, to rest in you, to be encouraged or reproved, whatever it needs to take place this morning, God, we give this time to you as your church. We love you, Jesus. We're after your heart. We want to know you with all of our heart. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, hey, real quick, would you just help me thank Julie again for sharing her testimony? Um, What a beautiful, beautiful, powerful word. Um, Gosh, just... I know that God is speaking hundreds of different messages in this room to our hearts from that word. And it ties in so well. As Izzy said, you know, we've been walking through a series on prayer, and we kind of started with the purpose of prayer, this idea of lifting everything in our heart and mind to God, that he wants all of us. And then we talked about the power of prayer, that we truly believe as Christians that there is someone on the other end of our prayers that desperately not only hears and cares, but has the power to enact change and transformation in our lives and in our world. When we are desperate, he cares to hear and respond, and our prayers are a catalyst to that, actually. But maybe if you're like me, you heard that. You were here last week, and you heard this message on the power of prayer, and so you thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to actually do this. I'm not just going to pray casually. I'm going to go home, and I'm actually going to believe. I'm going to pray in faith. As the text said last week, I'm going to confess to somebody else. Maybe I'm going to invite someone to intercede for me. And then you're back here this Sunday and maybe, you know, nothing's changed. Maybe you're back here and those prayers have have all gone and passed, but, you know, nothing's really different. I think most of us, if we're honest, like Julie, we believe in the power of prayer. We hear testimonies like that. But do we desire to really persist in it? Do we desire to really persevere in it? Maybe you're like me and you think like, okay, I prayed about it once and, you know, God knows what's on my heart and he knows what I prayed about and so I'm just going to kind of leave it at that and move on. Or maybe you're like me and you just don't actually believe that your prayers hold that much weight. Do, Do they really catalyze the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth to move on my behalf? Or, you know, maybe you just think God is really just going to do whatever he's going to do anyways. So what's the point of expending all this energy seeking him and pursuing him and praying about these things? But what I think God is going to do this morning, what he's going to show us in the text is that Jesus is going to remind us and encourage us and command us towards perseverance in prayer. He's going to commend us and implore us and encourage us. He knows our struggle with this, and he wants to remind us that we can keep coming to him. And this morning, he has a fresh perspective for us, a fresh promise for us, and a fresh purpose for our life when it comes to persevering in prayer. So if you have your Bible or you you got a bulletin when you walked in, um, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 18. And 
We're going to read this parable together, and then we're going to kind of walk and, and piece through it. And if you look at that uh, in your bulletin or in your text, Luke 18, the title of this is The Parable of the Persistent Widow. Our message today is on perseverance and prayer. It's a really popular parable from the mouth of Jesus. And he's going to walk us through three things this morning, okay? A new perspective, a promise, and a purpose. A perspective, a promise, and a purpose. Here's how it reads. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This morning as we read this text, um, we're going to start with a perspective. And here's the perspective that Jesus wants to give all his people today on prayer. It is this if you're writing notes or you take a photo with your phone. It's that God knows our default towards discouragement and doubt and propels us to just keep praying. God knows our default towards discouragement and doubt, and he propels us to just keep praying. I love the first verse of this parable. Typically, if you notice in a parable, Jesus is sort of cryptic, right? He'll tell parables about wheat and sowing seeds and all of these different things and wineskins, and most of the time you read a parable and you're like, what in the world is Jesus even talking about? And in fact, you're typically encouraged because the disciples will say the same thing. The disciples will pull Jesus aside and be like, hey, I know we're following you, but I don't have a clue what you were just talking about back there. Okay, so nobody else does either. But here in this parable, what's powerful is Jesus gives you the punchline right up top. In eight, chapter 18, verse 1, here's what Jesus says. He says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He's telling you exactly why he's telling you this parable. I need you to keep praying and not lose heart. If you know Jesus here, he knows our default towards discouragement. He knows our default towards doubt. And so he tells us to just keep praying. I love how the NIV translates this verse. It actually, that phrase, not lose heart, it says to not give up. He tells them a parable that they ought to always pray and not give up. Don't you love that? That Jesus, he knows one of the most powerful lessons you can learn on prayer is simply to just not give up. In fact, if you get anything from this message, really simply, Jesus is saying to you, just keep praying. Just keep praying. Forget about praying in faith or intercession or confession or lofty words. Just keep showing up and just keep praying. 
I love this phrase, to not lose heart here. This phrase can be translated in this text, it means to be faint or to be worn out and exhausted. So Jesus is saying, you ought to keep praying and not become faint or exhausted or weary. But one theologian translates this phrase, lose heart, as this. He means to not give in to the bad. To not give in to the bad. And I think about that. I love this idea because if you're like me, you begin to pray about things, you begin to believe things, you begin to seek the Lord. And when you're met with just silence or continual difficulty and your prayers aren't answered, there's this temptation for all of us, right, to sort of go back to our old way of life. To maybe come to that point where you say, man, what's the point of even trying anymore? What's the point of spurring on and believing and and trusting and pursuing this righteous life with Christ? I mean, maybe I should just go back to who I was. I mean, that person didn't really have a great life, let's be honest. That person wasn't full of joy or peace, but at least that person knew what to expect. And so we often have this default when we're discouraged and we're praying persistently to just go back to our old self and maybe give up. There's two, there's two temptations, guys. There's the temptation to go apostate. What does that mean? That means at some point for some of you in here, you've been praying about certain things and you think, what's the point of keeping the faith at all? So you go apostate. That means you deny the faith. You used to trust Jesus, you wanted to follow him, you were all in, but then you're met with these difficulties. You're met with this persistent prayer that keeps coming up silent, so you decide, you know what, I'm done with the Jesus thing. Let me tell you, in this room right now, there are many people who are considering that right now. Maybe you're thinking, I'm I'm trying to follow Jesus, I'm here, I'm, I'm pursuing, but I'm questioning just giving up altogether. But then there's the other temptation. And this temptation, I think, is more tempting than all of them. It's the temptation to grow apathetic. It's not that you're giving up on your faith in Jesus at all. It's just that you kind of get to this point where it's too exhausting to believe anymore. Right? It's too exhausting to trust or to try or to pray. And so you think, instead of kind of like putting my heart out there, I'll just kind of like tuck away behind the scenes. I'll kind of just admit this is just, it is what it is. Following Jesus is just this thing. It really doesn't play into my life anymore. You just grow slowly apathetic and you lose this expectation in the power of prayer. You lose this expectation or this desire and this delight to follow Jesus. So we're, we're tempted to go one way or another. And Jesus, knowing that, encourages us. What he says is, don't give up. Do not lose heart. Keep praying. And what's cool about this verse, guys, is if you notice, is Jesus tells us, I don't want you to stop praying so you won't lose heart. But it's actually an application, too, because one of the ways that you don't lose heart is you just keep praying. And so when Jesus speaks to us, he's telling us, look, I want you to keep praying and not lose heart, not go back to who you used to be or grow apathetic or apostate. But actually, one of the primary ways we do this and we fight that discouragement in our lives is we just keep praying. We just keep getting on the floor and calling out to God. We just keep, as Izzy said, lifting up our hearts and our minds and everything that's going on in our lives to Jesus. And here's what's cool. From that place, okay, from that perspective, Jesus then gives us a promise. And here's his promise if you're writing this down. Jesus promises that he is always willing, always working, and always responding 
to our persistent prayers. He promises in this text that he is always willing, always working, and always responding to our persistent prayers. I want us to read this parable again as we approach it from this promise and we seek the Lord for it. Here's what he says in verse 2. Look at this text. Jesus says, In a certain city there was a judge who didn't fear God or respect man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. This is a cool woman, right? Verse six, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. He's comparing. And will not God give justice to his elect, that's his children, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Okay, so here's this parable. I want you to track with me here. This parable is what's called an antithetical parable or a contrasting parable. Here's what that means. It means that the parable Jesus is telling you, God the Father is the exact opposite of what he's telling you in this parable. The key persons in this parable, God is exactly opposite to those persons. So don't read this parable and go, okay, so God is like an Judge who doesn't want to be bothered and he doesn't respect man or care about people. No, that's exactly what God is not saying. So it's an antithetical, contrasting parable. He's giving a lesser to greater argument. What it means is that if this lesser thing is true, then how much more is this greater thing true? And he's comparing it to this unjust judge compared to this very just, holy, and good judge. So here's the story. A widow is seeking justice from a judge. She apparently has an enemy or someone in her life that she needs legal protection from. And so she's seeking justice. Now, in this day and age, widows had it really rough. Here's why. First off, a widow had no standing in court. So they couldn't go to court on their own. And oftentimes, judges had these associates that they would have to bribe to even get a hearing. So they would set up a tent, the judge would have his associates, and a widow, in order to be seen by a judge, would often have to use money and bribery. But here's the problem. Widows were often poor. In the Greco-Roman world, widows weren't allowed to have a job. And so they lived on the support of the government. Third, a widow had no husband to stand in with her, to intercede for her, or to have authority to help her. And lastly, this particular woman who needs justice stands in front of a judge who's unjust, uncaring, and not fit for service. So what do you do when you're in a situation where you feel completely helpless and hopeless and you have no one to support you? The text reads that this widow keeps coming. She just keeps showing up. In fact, the text reads, she kept coming, she kept bothering him, she kept beating him down with her continual coming. That phrase, beating him down, means giving him a black eye. So this little old woman has had it. And she has decided, whether I have any authority, whether I have any money, whether I have any standing legally, I'm just going to keep showing up. Nobody can stop me from being persistent. 
This woman with no rights just believes that by her perseverance, justice or provision will be provided. I love this idea of persistence. You know, my daughter, you guys know my daughter, Adeline. She's 14 months old. She is super, super sharp. But one of the things I'm learning about her personality is she is incredibly persistent. You know, you see things in your kid and you're like, man, am I like that? Um, but one of the, so recently, she's, she can't walk, right? So she can't walk on her own, but she wants to walk with you. And so what she'll do is she'll come up to me and she'll say, walk, walk. And she'll grab my index finger and my other index finger, and then she will walk me around the house all day long. The problem is she's like one foot tall, so I'm bent over like this, you know? So I can't feel my back like half of the week. And so I would love to tell you that every time she does this, I'm just like the greatest dad ever. And I'm like, I would love to walk with you, baby. No, sometimes I'm exhausted. Sometimes I'm on the couch and she comes up, she's like, walk, walk. And I'm like, no, please, no. And um, so Megan and I were out of town this weekend and we were um, in, we were in Utah and she wasn't sleeping in her crib, so then she's in the bed. So she wakes up at 5 a.m., sure, 5 a.m., walk, walk. I'm, lay, I'm like half asleep. I'm like, what, what? And so, but here's what will happen. She is so persistent that oftentimes, even when I don't really care to respond to her request, even when I don't even have, like, pure intentions in my heart to respond, I will literally do what she's telling me to do just so she'll stop bothering me. And that sounds awful, right, as a parent? But you know you've been there. So she'll say, walk, and I'll be like, fine, let's just walk, whatever. Who cares about my back? Let's just keep going. And we will walk. And I've learned from her persistence in a similar way what Jesus is talking about in this parable, if you notice, it's not very spiritual at all. Jesus is sharing how this type of persistence in life correlates to our persistent prayers with him. Then, in fact, he's moved by persistence. In some way, spiritually, God is moved by our persevering or persistent prayer. He says in verse 6, look, this is what an unrighteous judge does. This is what a, a faulty father who's not perfect, who gets lazy, who gets tired, does. And he says in verse 7, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. So what Jesus is saying, guys, listen, track with me here. Here's where it's landing. If this unrighteous, ungodly, unjust judged judge is moved by the perseverance of a widow, how much more Will the righteous, all godly, fully just, fully loving, judge of the heavens and the earth respond to your requests? How much more? If this unjust judge would respond to perseverance, how much more will your heavenly father? Listen, in this parable, God is everything completely opposite of this judge. He is completely willing and delighted to hear your requests. He desperately cares about people and seeing his glory pervade their lives. He longs to see justice in the world and to care for the requests of his kids. And track with me here, this is cool. And this widow is everything completely opposite of you. Here's why. This widow has no standing, but you are a child of God. 
This widow has no one to help intercede for her, but you have Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding day and night for you. This widow has to bribe people to even see the judge, but according because of Jesus, you have direct access to God the Father. Are you tracking with me? Nobody's tracking with me? So the point is that through our perseverance and our persistence, God is inviting us to come to him with all of our requests. In fact, he commands us to keep coming. In Luke chapter 11, just seven chapters before this, Jesus says this, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. The idea here in the language that Jesus uses, that's actually like in the present continual form. What he's saying is keep on asking. Keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and the door will be open. We often think that God is bothered by our persistent requests because as, as people, we don't want to burden other people. You know, we, we feel afraid to ask for intercession or for other people to pray, but God is the exact opposite of that. He delights to hear from you. He wants you to keep banging on the door, to keep requesting and praying. So how is God working? If, if he's always willing, he's always working, he's always responding. Look, the reality is, guys, sometimes God, he says yes to our prayers immediately. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says wait. Sometimes God seems silent. Well, what we know in scripture is that God is always working. He is always working, always responding. Romans 8, 28 couldn't be true if it wasn't. Because he says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. God is always working. John Piper, I love this quote, he said, God is always doing a million things, and I may be aware of three of them. God is always doing a million things with my persistent prayers. He's always moving in a million ways. And my job is just to keep on praying. My job is not to lose heart and go back to that former version of me that Jesus delivered me from or to grow completely apathetic and to not believe at all anymore. So I'm going to keep praying. Prayer is this beautiful invitation, and it's a mystery, guys. We don't serve a robot. We a relational being that can be moved, that's dynamic, that's powerful, all-knowing, and he's always working, always willing, and always responding. Amen? But here's the cool thing. I want to close with this. He gives us a perspective. He knows our default towards discouragement and doubt. He gives us a promise that he's always working, always willing, always responding. Even we don't understand what's happening. We don't know his timing. We don't know what he's doing. But we get this invitation to the mystery of prayer. And prayer is dangerous. It's dangerous because when you start praying, God starts moving. And he starts involving you in the prayer requests. You be praying for your neighbor to give their life to the Lord. He's like, okay, cool. He's at your door. Go talk to him. And you're like, I didn't mean, I didn't want to be involved in it. I mean, you just need to save him because he's got a lot of problems. God, praying, when you really start praying persistently for people, it's dangerous, guys. It's going to jack up your schedule, by the way. It's going to jack up your schedule. Oh, it's really going to jack up your finances. Mm. Some of y'all are like, okay, never mind. I'm good without praying. I got a 401k. When you start praying persistently, God starts moving. He's always working, always responding, and he uses each and every one of us. 
Sometimes we're praying, and God is praying for us to do something. So here's what happens. Here's, here's a purpose. Now, there's a mystery in prayer, guys. God is so far beyond us in, in his understanding of what he's doing in our lives as he calls us into persistent prayer. But I want to give you one simple thing that we can know for sure God is doing in our persistent prayer, okay? That we can know for sure. I don't, I don't understand how all this works, but I know in Scripture we see this thread. And here's a purpose for you for persistent prayer. Persistent prayer, it deepens our dependence and increases our intimacy. Persistent prayer, it deepens our dependence and increases our intimacy. For all the mystery of Jesus calling us to keep coming to him night and day, that he's working, he's willing, he's responding, we don't understand it, we don't know his timing, yet here's what we do know, that God is always moving to deepen our dependence and increase our intimacy. Listen, every one of us in here has a natural lean in life to, for self-sufficiency, okay? Everybody's head should be going like this. Every one of us in this room has a natural lean and inclination to rely on ourselves. Our natural lean is always towards relying on me, myself, and I, and not the Lord. In fact, if you've never read the Bible, or you've never read the Old Testament, I'm going to give you a real quick summary of how the Old Testament works. Are you ready for this? Here's how it works if you have this slide. Here's how the narrative goes, okay? The people of God walk with God and life is good. Second, the people of God start relying on themselves and turning to other idols. Okay, so idol, you think of anything this could in our life, this might be money, this might be pleasure, this might be relationships. God sends problems, pain, and needs in order to get their attention. The people of God cry out to God in dependence and desperation. God comes to them and saves them, and then they do the same thing over again. Have you ever read the Old Testament? That's literally exactly what happens over and over and over and over until Jesus shows up. What happens is, guys, we naturally lean and depend on ourselves. This is what we do. And oftentimes, guys, listen, oftentimes the thing that catalyzes us to this ask and seek and knock prayer life, to this persistent prayer life, is that we have a need. We become desperate. We long for Jesus to intercede when problems arise. Tyler Statton, in his book, um, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, says this, prayer starts with need and ends with relationship. Prayer starts with need and ends with relationship. What does he mean there? It's often our needs that draw us to God. It's our needs that bring us to our knees. Come on, I mean. So, God will use those things in our life to produce in us a dependence and a hunger to come to him. Otherwise, we would never come to him. We would never turn to him. We would continue to live life on our own terms and our own ways and our own timetable. But he gives us needs to come to him and persistently pursue him. And here's what happens, guys. The greatest gift you get in persistent prayer is his presence. That's the greatest gift we get, no matter what we're praying about, no matter who we're praying for. The gift that God always gives is not even the request at the end of it. It's his presence in the middle of it. What God always gives us in our persistent prayer, no matter what it is, is a deeper dependence and reliance on him, knowing that we can't do this on our own. 
And then in that process, an increased intimacy to know him, to be with him, to rest in him. Oftentimes, guys, and this isn't always, we want God to remove all of our problems, but he often uses our problems to move us towards him. And so whatever you're praying about, whatever you're seeking him about, whether it's your healing on this next prayer or whatever, in the process for all the mystery involved, God's inviting us into a deeper dependence and an increased intimacy with him. So as we close this morning, I want you to think about this. You know, will you maintain hope or will you lose heart? I love how Jesus closes this parable in verse 8 where he says, it's almost out of nowhere. He says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Like at the end of it all, are you going to keep trusting him when discouragement and doubt and difficulties arise? Will you just keep praying and keep trusting and believing that God is willing, he is working, he is responding? And through that, he's deepening your dependence on him, the only one you truly need. He's increasing your intimacy in him because his presence is better than anything. A day in his courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Man, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced, maybe, maybe for you, it's, you could shift your perspective on what you're praying about right now and realize God has been using that very thing just to even get you to pray. To enliven your heart, to see the power of knowing him and relying on him and being intimate with him. That's the greatest gift more than anything you get. It's the giver, not the gift. So this morning as we close, I'm going to have some reflection questions here on the screen. And um, we've kind of positioned some people here in the back um, that are available for prayer. And so what I want to do is just leave a little bit of time for prayer. And if you'd like to just to sit in this moment and pray and reflect on these questions, I think we have them. Um, or if you'd like to request prayer, there's people kind of spread out in the back who have yellow lanyards on so you cannot miss them. Um, and we would love, we would be delighted to pray with you this morning. So our questions are this. Where are you tempted to give in or give up to doubt and discouragement in your prayer life? Can you identify one way Jesus is working and responding to your prayers, even if it's not exactly what you're asking for? And lastly, what would it look like to deepen your dependence on Jesus in that area of your life? So this morning, we're just gonna give some time for prayer. If you'd like to go back and have somebody pray for you, we'd encourage you to just step into the back. This is a completely safe space for that. That's why we're here. That's why we exist as a body, as a family. That's who we are. So don't be afraid to get up and go ask for somebody to pray for you. And we're just gonna leave some space.